The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. If you're able, please remain standing for the reading of God's Word in Luke chapter 1. If you'll turn there in your copies of God's Word. Children, you can be dismissed to my left if you'd like to participate in the children's church through the third grade, a time in the Word and singing and praise together. Just go to my left and there will be those there to be with you. You have a wonderful time in the Word. The rest of you, there's a note sheet that's provided, a pew Bible, if you'd like to make use of that. Just go to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read in your hearing, beginning at verse 26. Now today I'm going to try to stay behind the pulpit, not because I can't walk in front of the pulpit, but this, this surgical shoe is, has to be the ugliest thing ever invented. And, and I don't want to distract you, so I'm going to stay behind the pulpit so you can't look at that surgical shoe. And um, Lord willing, I'll be out of it in a couple of weeks. Look with me, if you would, in Luke chapter 1 and, and God's Word, verse 28. It's inspired, infallible, and inerrant, and it is read in your hearing. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. Tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has been also conceived a son. And this in the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The grass withers. The flower fades, God's word abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may his word be preached for you. Please be seated. So, brothers and sisters, I sat down with the worship team, with John in particular, and we prayed about this year's Advent. And you see the theme that comes from the angelic announcement to the shepherds. I bring you good news of great joy. But I got to thinking beyond that. Now, listen, I've been pastoring now for 40 plus years 
That's 40 plus Advent series of sermons. How many ways can you preach on Advent? Well, I've actually been asked and looking to do a book on this, but the one that struck me this year, here's the way it came. We got to walk through nativity with 14 live scenes. Most of them deal with the nativity scene and different aspects and things that are happening. And then we've got this concert where our Christmas concert has been um, has been continually uplifted. And this year, the exquisite portraits in a way that will astound you of the nativity scene is a part of this concert. And I got to thinking they're going to see and they're going to hear the nativity and all of those that are in it. What about if I took some time to maybe take a fresh look at the biblical portraits of those who are in the nativity, that they'll be looking at live portraits? What if while they're looking, they will not simply be inspired by what they see, but be informed by what they already know from the word of God about those? You do realize this. Joseph and Mary are real people who were living 2000 years ago. That was a real place. David's royal city as the orchestra played at the prelude. That is a real stable. Those were real angels and and shepherds and wise men. And what is it that the word of God would have you think when you see and hear of those glorious historical events and individuals? What would the word of God want you to think? Well, I can't exhaustively deal with it, but I thought I could at least maybe in a fresh way deal with it. So last week I said, let's take a look at these angels. And we saw the four appearances of the angels. Interestingly, God had been silent for 400 years. He breaks silence with the angel Gabriel who speaks to a son of Aaron, a Levite priest named Zechariah, married to a daughter of Aaron, Elizabeth, who also is a cousin. That will either be a second or fourth cousin, one of the two, of Mary, and is married to her. And they're old in age and they're barren. And now a fifth time the Bible records God intervening when someone is beyond childbearing to give them a child in his purposes of divine revelation and redemption. And this time it's Zechariah and this time it is um, Elizabeth. And as he reveals this to Zechariah to tell to Elizabeth that they're going to have this child, he automatically connects it over a bridge 400 years back to the last recorded word of God in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, where he says, where Malachi says, the Messiah is coming. And when the Messiah comes, the forerunner will be the one who comes in the spirit and power of Elijah. That's the last prophecy in Malachi 4. And breaking silence 400 years later is the prophecy of the birth of John the Baptist who will fulfill that prophecy. Amazing the intricacy of God's plans throughout all of the ages. 
400 plus years of silence. Then God speaks. And so I got to thinking, not only angels, but when we go through these, what about if we look at the nativity scene with couplets? Not only the angels, as they interact with Zechariah, then, then Mary, then Joseph, then the shepherds. But what about if we look at Mary and Joseph together? And that's what I want you to do this morning and next week. Let's look at the wise men and the shepherds together. And then the next week, let me give you two people. I mean, let me give you two vistas of the nativity. Let me tell you who else is in the nativity. The word of God and the spirit of God is in the nativity. And then on Christmas Eve, let's look at Emmanuel in the nativity. And then Christ Sunday, let's look at another couplet, Simeon and Anna, who have the ministry to the one who was born at the nativity. So let's take a look at them. And when you see them, that you not only would be astonished at their presentation by song and sight, but you would be informed from the word of God. Kind of a fresh look at Mary and Joseph. Now, I've been to Mary and Joseph many times in my life, but I want to give you some things that I've never done before. And hopefully, as you go through those 14 scenes in the walk through nativity, as you watch that, those live portraits in the Hallelujah concert and bring your friends and talk about it, this could be something that informs you, perhaps in a fresh way. We'll start with Mary herself. Mary betrothed to Joseph. Now, brothers and sisters, this is a marriage in the Bible. In the Bible, when you talk about marriage, you talk about four things. Let me put them together in a way for you to remember them. Four C's. To have a marriage in the Bible, there are four things called for. Number one is commitment. It's called betrothal. A formal commitment. And then number two is consent. Consent of the families. Then number three is a ceremony. Remember, where was Jesus' very first miracle? It was at a what? A wedding feast. When we get to heaven, what are we going to do? We're going to have a wedding ceremony with Jesus. It's called the wedding feast of the Lamb. So there would be a, cere- there would be a ceremony of, um, of rejoicing. Then, come, then comes the consummation of the marriage as the husband would know his wife. So those are the four C's. There would be commitment, there would be consent, there would be ceremony, and there would be consummation. But you didn't have to wait to the consummation for the marriage. On the contrary, the marriage in the Bible started at the commitment. You either call, you have, The only thing you didn't have is you didn't have physical and sexual intimacy. That awaited for the ceremony. But you were still... In fact, if you broke up... See, today, if you break up... Oh, that's like an engagement. Nah, it's more than an engagement. Today, you break off an engagement, you're liable to get a a fist in your face and and a ring back. But back then, you had to go through a divorce. In fact, that's what Joseph is pondering. How do I get... What do I do about this? This thing has to end with a divorce because it actually was considered a marriage right from the commitment, right from the... Betrothal. 
And so this is where Mary finds herself. And Mary finds herself with child. And Mary has a visitor, Gabriel. God breaks silence a second time. Six months after his communication to Elizabeth through Zechariah, the angel Gabriel now comes. Now, have you noticed something? How very precise Luke. Now, by the way, Luke's not only a doctor, he's a historian. And Luke is writing this account of the life of Jesus inspired by the Holy Spirit. When is he writing it? He's probably writing it after after Paul was arrested in Jerusalem and then later transferred for two years to Caesarea by the sea, where he would bear witness to kings and witness and then later on to be sent to Rome. But while he is in the promised land at Jerusalem at Caesarea by the sea, Luke has some time on his hands because Paul is in prison at Caesarea by the sea and bearing witness to Agrippa and Festus and Felix. He's bearing witness to all of these royal personages. And um, and Paul and we're told that Luke goes around and starts interviewing people, eyewitnesses. It's my opinion. Now, up until now, this is Bible. I'm, I'm confident everything I said to you. I'm now going to speculation. I think he interviewed Mary. And the reason why is because of the personal comments he makes about things in her heart and soul that he would never have known without her sharing unless the Holy Spirit just decided to reveal it to him. And you're going to hear three of them in just a moment. When Mary receives Gabriel, Gabriel comes six months after his after the initiation of the pregnancy of Elizabeth through the through informing Zechariah. And now notice notice the specificity. Luke is not writing this gospel just for Jewish people. He in fact, he is writing it for all of the people that are going to read it, including people like me and you who don't just have in our hip pocket. Where is Nazareth? In fact, very few people knew about Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Notice his specificity. Gabriel was sent from God to a city. What city? Named Nazareth. Where is the city? In Galilee. He gives all of these specifics that a Jewish people likely would know, but others that are going to read this don't know. So he's being very specific and he gives a very specific time, six months, and he tells you that he goes to Mary and he lets you know Mary is a virgin betrothed. There's been no ceremony. There's been no consummation. There has been commitment. There has been consent, but there has not been a ceremony. That means there has hasn't been consummation. She is betrothed and the man she is betrothed to has a name. It is a name that will be found in the line of the patriarchs. His name is Joseph. He specifically is of the house of David. And not only is he of the house of David, Mary is the house of David. And so you will know it in his research. He includes Mary's genealogy for you in chapter three. So you have Mary's genealogy that she also was of the tribe of Judah and of the line of David. And so here she is. And then this Mary now receives the greeting. Now, look at the greeting. It's a very formal greeting for us, but it wouldn't have been for an angel. Can I put it this way? 
this is what he says would be angelese for hello. This is the way angels talk. This is the way an angel would greet. It would be what we think is very formal. Hail or hello or hark or what? Greetings. Oh, favored one. The Lord is with you. Can I just tell you right now, your heart ought to be leaping. Your heart ought to be leaping for joy. You know why? Because you couldn't be saved unless God is with you. Emmanuel. And God couldn't have been with you until he first was with Mary. The Lord is with you. How do you know? Because he has. Now watch. He has graced you. Oh, favored one. The Lord is with you. So here's your first. Next time you think of Mary, as you walk through nativity, as you read your Bible, as you see the Hallelujah concert, think of this. This young, likely teenage girl, when the angel speaks, is per- she is troubled. Her heart is troubled. Not by the angel's presence, but by the angel's proclamation. Not like Zechariah. Zechariah is told, do not be afraid. Why? The presence of the angel had overwhelmed him. Not so with Mary. She is not overwhelmed by the presence of the angel. She is overwhelmed by his message. See, look at what it says. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. Favor is a, is a um, you can just trace the word all the way back to the concept of grace. Favored one or graced one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. What caused her troubling? What she heard. Grace with you. So the angel now expounds the greeting. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. She's troubled. She's fearful because of the greeting, because of what has been said. He says, don't be afraid, Mary. Why? Don't be afraid. Banish your fear because I want you to believe something. Here is what I want you to believe. Not only is the Lord with you, but here is what I want you to know. You have found favor with God. God sovereignly has chosen to show you grace. Not you've earned favor. Not you merit favor. But God has favored you. God has chosen to grace you, to be with you. God has chosen to do that in your life. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Now, we're, we're, we know why she's calling his name Jesus, because Joseph will be told to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. Jesus is Yeshua, Jehovah saves. God will save his people. So you'll call him Jesus. But now he, Mary is given more information. He will be great. He will be called the son of. Now, folks, you can't get a higher term to speak of God than this phrase, son of the most high. 
That was a term of exaltation and adoration. You can't get any higher. Now, will you notice something? It is not Mary being exalted. Mary is being favored. To bear the one who is to be exalted. Jesus, the son of the most high. And this one that is the son of the most high, the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. He through you and through through David, he through you, the sovereignly graced appointed mother and Joseph, the sovereignly adopted father. We've got an adopted father. We've got an appointed mother that God has sovereignly graced you to bring forth him. And he will be of the line of David in fulfillment of the scripture from the line of Judah. The scepter will not depart and he will be he will not only be the one who is the king. He will be the one who is the son of God. And behold, he shall be the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will, I'm sorry, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And unlike David, his kingdom will have no end. For this king has no end. Forever. Can't you wait till next Sunday night? (laughs) And he shall reign forever and ever and ever and blow the trumpets and ever and ever. This is the one whom you will bear. He will reign over his people, the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. Well, now you get the second problem. Mary's not only troubled and fearful, and her fear is dismissed by her faith in the truth of what God has promised, but now she is perplexed. So when you think of Mary these next weeks, think of a perplexed teenage girl. How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, here's how it'll be. In other words, she's saying, wait just a minute. You know, you see what she's saying? I mean, there's a little bit of humor here. You may have the right promise, but you've got the wrong person. I have had a commitment. I have had consent. We hadn't had a ceremony and we hadn't had any consummation. I'm still a virgin. Now, I may be young, but I know you can't have a child and still be a virgin. That just won't work. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. Then look at this encouragement. Behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is obviously Gabriel doesn't know anything about tact. (laughs) Elizabeth, she's old. I think you could have found a better way to say that. But Elizabeth is in her old age. And six months ago, he's already been there and he's given that message. And she has also conceived. She's now six months pregnant. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. She was called barren. What you need to know, nothing is impossible with God. I like the way one preacher said it. 
You can see where you can almost see this teenage girl putting this through. Okay, Elizabeth's with child. That's too late. I'm with child. That's too quick. I'm still a virgin. She's old. God says nothing's impossible. The barren, she'll bear witness through the birth of the fulfillment of the prophecy of one coming in the spirit of Elijah. And you will be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. So what is within you, he has conceived in you. And that one is the son of God, the most high. So her troubled heart is dismissed by faith. Her perplexity is answered by God's word. Can I just give you all a side thing here? This is not in the sermon. This is an extra. I'm just throwing this one in. Why did God send Gabriel to tell Zechariah and Elizabeth that they were going to have a child? And that even though they were old, like others, God is going to do the impossible and she is going to have a child even in her old age. And Zechariah in his old age is going to be a miraculous birth. But it's a real birth. It's a real conception. But that's what's going to be done for you. Well, we say, Pastor, to fulfill Malachi 4. Yes. To break silence. Yes. God's doing a number of things there. But not the, but also God is doing a miraculous birth with Elizabeth that will be encouragement to her cousin, Mary. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you know God can multitask? I mean, here's a miracle fulfilling Malachi 4, fulfilling the request for a child for a barren couple that are older. Here's a miracle that's happening there. But God said, let me tell you this else I'm doing. I'm doing something in, in Mary's cousin's life, Elizabeth, an older woman, so that this woman who is young can take courage that I, if I can give them a child in their old age, then I can accomplish the conception of a virgin. The virgin will conceive, the virgin pregnancy, and the virgin will give birth. That I am able to do that. Troubled heart is dismissed by faith. Perplexity is dismissed by the word of God and the power of God. Third thing, when you think of Mary. Go to the next verse. Verse 37. Nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Now it's time for the angel to go. Mission accomplished. Mary surrenders. Fear banished. Perplexity Removed. Now I surrender. I am your servant. But she's also got a husband, doesn't she? To whom she's betrothed. Would you go over there right quick and just look at a, just a thought from this husband? Matthew chapter 1. Slip over to Matthew chapter 1 and go down to verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. 
When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child with the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. In other words, he now finds out she's expecting. They have only, they have betrothed, they've become committed, they, um, they have made consent, but they've not had the ceremony and they've not consummated. She's with child. He only has one thought. She has been unfaithful. But this man will therefore, because he is a righteous man, a just man, in obedience to God's word, will bring the decree of divorce and break the marriage. But he's determined, I'm not going to shame her. I'm going to do it in private. And so he sees both his commitment to God's word and his compassion. And he doesn't strike out so that he can be absolved of any blame. He just, uh, he, he says, I'll do God's word, what ought to be done, but I'm going to do it in a way so that I can cover her as much as possible with compassion and love. And then what happens? But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. In other words, he's asleep. And an angel appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Here's that message again. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until he had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So he kept this one who had conceived as a virgin as a virgin for pregnancy. And then as a virgin, she would give birth. Obviously, afterwards, she'll no longer be a virgin that she will have other children with Joseph. But in this point, he's going to do exactly what God's word says. And the angel came and communicated to him. Now we have the third communication of God breaking silence. And again, don't fear. But here, like Mary, the fear that is banished is the fear of the demand of the message. Not the presence of the angel. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Do not fear to keep her as your wife. You've already entered into the husband-wife relationship with commitment and consent. Now keep her. Don't divorce her. Keep her. And keep her a virgin. And when the baby's born, you give him his name Jesus. Yeshua. God will save because he will save his people from their sins. And know this. This is the Son of the Most High. This is God with us. Emmanuel. Now, God is with us. And the scriptures are now fulfilled. And so Joseph now comes to receive this. Interestingly, isn't it? He is the second man to receive a message from the angel in these opening months. Like Zechariah. But he's a what? He's an older man, isn't he? He's an older man. Zechariah, we're told old. We assume 
In light of his likely early death, Joseph was older. Can you not hear the echo of Acts chapter 2 when Peter preaches from Joel chapter 2? And he says, the last days are upon us because your young men and women shall prophesy and your older men shall dream dreams. Thus, Joseph. Listen, don't just go, to, you know, ah, Zechariah didn't get the job. Joseph got it. Listen, these contours of what's being recorded in these Gospels are consistent and work in harmony with what yet is going to be preached. Here, a message has already come to one of his in-laws. They've married into the same family. Elizabeth and Mary are cousins. They married into the same family. They've both gotten from the angel a birth announcement. The birth announcement of John the Baptist and the birth announcement of the one who will follow him, the Redeemer, the Messiah. And the old man, old men shall dream dreams. And what about his namesake? His namesake is Joseph, one of the patriarchs. What was Joseph? Joseph was a dreamer. Do you remember his dream? That the people, that, that his family will be taken into a country and they will all bow before you. Fulfilled when he became vice president of Egypt and the family was brought there. But when he shared that dream, it caused anger in the lives of his brothers and hatred in the life of his brothers and ridicule from his father and mother. Yet the dream was fulfilled and he bore the ridicule. Joseph, the dream will be fulfilled. She'll bear a son. You will have to bear ridicule. But not only do you dream as your forebearer. And we know he's a forebear, right? All you got to do is go back to the first part. Read the genealogy. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. That he has Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as his forebearers. Just as Joseph had them, his namesake, as forebearers. And he, like Joseph, is dreaming. And his dreams, like Joseph's, are fulfilled. Even though it will cost you to believe that. You, like Mary, will become a spectacle. But you believe and do not fear. And I will fulfill what I have revealed to you in this dream through the message of the angel. By the way, Joseph was not only a dreamer. What else was Joseph? He's a traveler. He was a sojourner. He would lead the people into, into Egypt, wouldn't he? For 400 plus years. What will this Joseph do? He will lead the redeemer of God's people into Egypt. And then bring him out. Who will save his people from their sins. Thus fulfilling the prophecy out of Egypt. I have called my son, not the original fulfillment of God's covenant people in the Exodus, 
But now the ultimate fulfillment with another Joseph that will bring them out. And that Joseph led them in. This Joseph will lead Jesus in and then bring him out to a place called Nazareth and ultimately to the cross. Wasn't there someone else who was told to take a wife in a dream? Sure there was. His name was Adam. A sleep came upon him. And a rib was taken from him. And he was awakened for a wife. Now Joseph goes to bed thinking the next day he will be wifeless and familyless. And while he's asleep, he's informed. Keep your wife as your wife. And you will have a son. And not only will you have a family, that son will be the hand of God, the son of God, who will bring forth the family of God. Even as he receives the promise in his sleep. So here's a takeaway for you. Let me give you a takeaway. The takeaway is, is this one. I'll give you two of them. As Christians, we are the recipients of God's grace in salvation, who are also transformed by grace to be active followers. Now, what am I saying to you? Here's what I'm saying. Joseph, do you hear the words to Mary? Hail, favored one. Graced one, Joseph receives the blessing and promise of God in his sleep. Now, listen, brothers and sisters, please listen to me. The point of growing in Christ is not taking a 24 hour nap. Get in the word, worship, preaching, prayer, fellowship. But never think that those activities are meriting God's grace or that God is incapable of getting His grace to you. He gives to His beloved even in their sleep. And so Joseph becomes a prime example. He goes to bed with one set of plans. He arises with a new life. Fearless and faithful. And he put his trust in the Lord and obeyed Him. Secondly, second takeaway is that Joseph and Mary are not given to us for adoration. Yes, we can admire them, but not for adoration. And they're not here for mediation. We've got one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. They are here as a model for us. What do they teach us? Here's what Mary and Joseph are teaching us. We do not qualify for the grace of God in Christ. God qualifies us by his grace in Christ. We, we, they reveal that we do not qualify for the grace of God in Christ. What they reveal is the grace of God in Christ follows us. Mary is a graced one. Joseph receives from the Lord. Even in the passivity of sleep. 
Now, when that grace comes, it transforms you so that you follow him. When they awaken, they, it wasn't they trusted and obeyed and got grace. It is they got grace. And what was the evidence? They trusted and obeyed. Be it done to me. I am your servant. He arose and did as the Lord called him to do. And he named his son Jesus. And he kept his wife a virgin. So that here they did what God called them to do. Even though it would cost them. Can you imagine the ridicule that Mary got, that Joseph got? But they had no fear because they were filled up with faith. They no longer were perplexed because they were guided by God's word. And therefore, the appointed mother and the adopted father trusted and obeyed. Trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Are you saved today? It's because God has graced you. Are you saved today? Then say to him, Behold, here I am, your servant. Faith dismissed. Fear dismissed by faith. Perplexity dismissed by your word. I trust you. And I follow you. Please don't leave here today without doing that. Please don't. Mary and Joseph cry out to you. Not for you to lift them up to a pedestal of adoration. But to see the admiration of God's grace that takes us and changes us. Fearless trust. Intentionally obey. Emmanuel. God with us. To be one of us. To save us. Trust. And obey. Would you take a few moments in silent prayer? If you'd like to pray with someone afterwards, there will be those up here to pray with. But right now, just bring your heart and your focus where Mary and Joseph's fears were banished. In Emmanuel. God with us. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.